0: Arsenal are out of the FA Cup, but was Mikel Arteta right to make so many changes? We're going to be discussing that. We're going to be discussing the latest on Martin Odegaard. We're going to be talking about the fact that Mesut Ozil has finally, officially joined Fenerbahce. And we're going to be discussing some of the interesting reports coming out this evening with regards to the future of Lucas Torreira. All of that and plenty more to come on this live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. A good evening. uh, Hello to everybody who's joining us live at the moment. And of course, hello to all of those who'll be listening via the podcast uh, format. And of course, to those who'll be watching this back on replay. Hope you're all well. Uh, The podcast is coming to you this evening from a snowy North London. Um, People have been kind of jumping up and down about it, getting excited, going outside to make snowmen. It was fun with the little one for about 15 minutes. And then my hands got cold. I got cold. And to be quite frank, I'd had enough of it by then and I wanted to come back inside. Um, So yeah, if you are in London or if you are in an area that's been affected uh, by the snow, make sure you take care. The roads are a little bit slippery. I've been out there today. Uh, So yeah, just uh, stay careful, stay safe above everything else. Feels like this is a really long intro, but it's probably because I actually don't want to talk about the main subject of tonight's podcast. You know, Southampton won Arsenal nil in the FA Cup fourth round. Our our defense of our FA Cup just kind of collapsed without a real fight, without, uh, you know, a real, you know, a real good effort, a real strong effort. How am I feeling about that? I'm feeling as disappointed, actually, as every other Arsenal fan out there. And I know that some of you have kind of seen some of my tweets and stuff and probably feel like I'm uh, a little bit less bothered about it than others. It's not that I'm less bothered about it. Look, I, I don't ever want Arsenal to lose games. The FA Cup, to me, has meant so much growing up. It's it's one of the reasons that I became an Arsenal fan. You know, in in the early years of me being an Arsenal fan... 1996, 1997, Arsene Wenger came along, 1998, he wins the double, and part of that double was the FA Cup, and I remember it, I remember the final against Newcastle United, I remember it all clearly, and it's been a cup competition that I'm very fortunate to have seen off the top of my head, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, I've seen Arsenal win the FA Cup eight times, eight times in what? 24 years of properly supporting the club you can't support the club properly when you're a little kid so what in 24 years I've seen it eight times you know that's one every three years isn't it yeah eight 16 24 yeah it's a pretty good record and so of course this cup means a lot to me of course this cup means the world to me just like it does for so many others but you also have to understand that we don't currently have the squad to compete on so many fronts. We also are experiencing the strangest football season of all time in the sense of, yeah, we talk about the Premier League and and the English clubs having to deal with a congested schedule, but this is worse than normal. You know, this is even worse than normal. We're talking about an Arsenal side now that despite having gone out of the FA Cup, now have to play nine games between now and the end of February. So a lot of matches and, and people will throw the counter argument back and say, yeah, you know, Arsenal are not the only club that have to deal with this. And I get all of that. I totally get that. And I understand it. But it just feels like the meltdown, the reaction that has come off the back of this It's just been so over the top. You know, Southampton are a very good side. Southampton are a team who incidentally sit above us in the Premier League, despite having played a game less. And I know there are a few of those right now, but the point is here, we didn't have a divine right to go to St. Mary's and win the game. We didn't have a divine right to go and play Ralph Hasenhutl's side off of the park and blow them away and progress to the next round without any difficulty. Whether Mikel Arteta picked the first team or not, now, he made a number of changes, and I think there is a fair case that says when we're building a little bit of momentum and we've kind of turned the corner in the sense of we were in dreadful relegation fodder form, and then we got back on track, that you kind of want to try and maintain that momentum as best as possible. And I understand that and I get that. But at the same time, you have to think about the bigger picture. And the bigger picture, whether people want to admit it or not, is that the Premier League offers us a route back into the Champions League, which is ultimately where Arsenal want to be. The Europa League offers us a route back into the Champions League, where Arsenal want to be. The FA Cup does not offer us that. And people would do well to remember that. It's all great winning the FA Cup. As I said to you, I've seen Arsenal win tons of FA Cups. We enjoyed Arsenal winning the FA Cup last season. Why? Because... Aside from it, the general kind of joy that comes from winning an FA Cup, we had such a bad, dreadful, horrible season in which Unai Emery was sacked and we changed manager midway through and then we never really got going. And then to finish it on a high was just a really nice way to kind of feel some belief again to feel confident again about what we could achieve going forward and to feel like there had been some progress there the reality is that that fa cup win last season probably you know gave us a bit of a, a false security in terms of where arsenal actually were as a team you know the fact that we beat two top sides in in manchester city and chelsea along the way obviously added to that but the point i'm trying to make here is if you had asked me at the start of the season to rank the competitions in in order of priority, me personally, I'd have gone like this. I'd have gone Premier League, it's your bread and butter, it's the league. It, over 38 games, you've got an opportunity to consolidate yourself in a position where you, you can qualify for Europe. In a cup competition, anything can happen, anything can go wrong. Only takes one off day and you can't rectify it because of the nature of the competition. But I'd have ranked the competitions in terms of their priority for Arsenal this season in this order. Premier League, Europa League. Why? Because those two offer us a route back into the Champions League promised land. Then the FA Cup and then the Carabao Cup. Okay, so I cannot sit here and completely destroy Mikel Arteta for the fact that he made those changes, for the fact that he prioritised the league game on Tuesday night over this one. You've also got to take into account some of the individuals that were left out and the reasons they were left out and their recent history, because that will tell you a lot about why Mikel Arteta felt he needed to do that. For example, Emile Smith-Rowe started the season struggling with injury, had injury problems last season, has come in and made such a fundamental difference to this side, but always in the back of your mind. As an Arsenal fan, you're watching Emil Smith-Rowe play and you're worried that he might break down. And if he did break down, the consequence of that would be huge because simply we do not have another player currently in our squad with that same profile. I know Martin Odegaard's coming in. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But the point is that Emil Smith-Rowe has had issues. So to give him a rest, to give him a break is not a ludicrous decision. Kieran Tierney just about made it for that Newcastle game in the Premier League. Just about made it. Probably, you could argue, pushed through a barrier that maybe he shouldn't have so that he could be involved in that game. Again, it's completely understandable why Mikel Arteta felt like this one was an opportunity to give him a break. You know, Thomas Partey was on the substitutes bench. Alexander Lacazette was on the bench. Bukayo Saka was on the bench. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang actually was due to be part of that squad as well. And a lot of you have have, have sort of kicked off on social media. Why the, why the hell did Mikel Arteta put two goalkeepers on the bench? That wasn't his intention. Aubameyang got sent home because of a private issue, which we, we don't know what it is. So I'm not going to sit here and speculate and have a go um, about that because we don't know what it is. It could be something serious. And as we all know, as much as we love this game and this sport and this club, family comes first. So if it's a family, personal issue, then nobody can have a, an issue with, with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang leaving. You know, so and, and having said all of that, having said all of that, you know, at the end of the day, that team that was on the pitch could have or probably should have in terms of the individual ability or on paper, if you like, was good enough to give Southampton a game. Let's go over to, to, let me just pick up this live comment. I'll come to the live comments in a minute, but I've got to pick up this one from Ricardo E who says, this guy defends every Arteta decision. It's absolute nonsense. And you obviously haven't been watching or listening to this show for a very long time to come out with that. Because if you go back a few weeks, I was one of the people talking about whether he'd reached the end of the line, talking about how important it was that he turned this form around straight away because the pressure was building, the pressure was mounting. I spoke about his mismanagement of certain individuals. I've spoken about tactically that he needed to be braver. I've criticized Mikel Arteta at many points during this season, and rightly so. I just don't feel that him prioritizing the Premier League over the FA Cup is something that we should be jumping on his back about. You know, you've also got to think about the financial aspect. Now, as fans, we love watching Arsenal win trophies, right? We all used to love the days out. Right now, we can't do it, but we all love the days out at Wembley. Great fun. You go with your mates. You spend the whole day. You enjoy it. You watch your team lift the trophy. There's nothing better. There's nothing better than a cup final day. But the reality is that isn't going to happen right now because of the circumstances in the world. But what is important to the club anyway is the finances. And everybody says, you know, I, I see it all the time on Twitter. You don't have to be an accountant. You're a football fan. You don't. It's not about being an accountant, is it? It's basic economics. You know, if you go to Asda and you go to buy a, a joint of roast beef and you don't have the money in your pocket, you can't buy it. It's as simple as that. It's not being an accountant. It's not being a genius. You know, you either have it or you don't. And right now, Arsenal don't bloody have it. And the, the prize money, the difference in prize money, and I actually looked this up earlier because I wanted to make this point on the podcast. And I, I thought, I better, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it in the right way. And I'm going to take this as an example, right? Arsenal finished eighth last season, okay? Wolves, who finished eighth, they earned last season 141.4 million pounds from the premier league 141 finishing 6th gets you 148.2 million pounds okay that's almost 7 million difference 7 million pounds Winning the FA Cup nowadays, do you know what that brings you in terms of prize money, in terms of revenue? Around about, give or take, four, four and a half million pounds. So for the club financially, it makes much more sense to try and push up the Premier League than it does to win the FA Cup. Now, as fans, what we want is different, but often our objectives, our goals, what we want is not aligned with that of the club's. And Mikel Arteta doesn't work for me. He doesn't work for you. He works for Arsenal Football Club, and he will prioritise and chase the objectives that the club set him. That's just how it works. Okay, that's how it works. As for everybody says saying we shouldn't, you know, we we've got no chance of finishing in the top four. That's absolute nonsense. It's mathematically possible. Now. You know, and, and it's probably the same people that say we've had a losing mentality at this football club for years and years and years. I'll tell you what's a losing mentality. A loser's mentality is to look at that Premier League table, see the rest of the division dropping points left, right and centre. And not acknowledging that if we win on Tuesday and close the gap, to, so be it if some of them have a game in hand. By the way, only one of the current top four has a game in hand over us as well. That's another fact. Looking at that, if you don't think that by closing the gap to four points, we don't have a chance of finishing in the top four, you're the loser. That's the loser mentality. A manager should chase an objective, should go after an ambition for as long as it is possibly on the table. Until it becomes impossible, you chase it. That's what winners do. They chase it. They don't give up. A loser mentality is to sit there and go, do you know what, lads? I don't think we're going to make the top four anyway. So we'll, we'll take a little bit of a breather on Tuesday night against Southampton and, you know, we'll look at or, or go into Old Trafford, for example, and saying, oh, you know what, mate, they're much better than us. Let's not bother trying it. Our chances of winning, you know, they're not very high, so we won't bother. We won't try. That's what losers do. That's what loser mentality does. And I'm not even saying that we are definitely going to finish in the top four. I'm not even saying we're definitely going to finish in the top six. I'm not even definitely saying we're going to finish in the top eight. But for as long as there is a possibility, you have to chase it. That's what Mikel Arteta's job is, to try and achieve the targets set by the football club. If those targets, those ambitions that the football club set don't necessarily match yours personally, That's something you just got to live with, because if fans ran the football club, if fans were in charge of everything, we'd go and spend fortunes every summer and we'd have been bankrupt 30 years ago. you You know, sometimes you need to take the emotion out of it. As fans, we're emotionally charged. That's what it's all about for us. It's all about the emotion and the feel good factor that our football club winning brings us. But the reality is that the, the club themselves, the people running the club, and you can have your problems with them and, and, and most of them are justified. But the reality is that the objective this season for Arsenal Football Club is to get back in the UEFA Champions League. And the FA Cup never has offered a route for that. So what's the meltdown about? Now, I agree that actually probably we should have made less changes. I, I, I agree with that and i get that argument i really really do but the kind of it, it's like arsenal fans are bipolar you know and i don't mean that disrespectfully i mean one minute we're all back on the mikel arteta hype train everybody loves him arsenal picked up a few results playing some good football and then the next minute we lose a game that actually we probably should have lost and everybody's gone mad and add to the fact add to that the fact that we actually lost the game off the back of an own goal. We we're very, very unfortunate in that sense. You know, it feels a, it feels a little bit harsh. It, it really does. Having said that, you know, there there were some individual performances as well that let Mikel down. There's no doubt about that. You know, if we go through the team, you know, you can't really put any blame on Burn Leno. He, he made a really good stop again uh, early on in the game. I think it was Che Adams who just knocked the ball past Gabriel. Um, left him for dead and got a shot away the own goal I don't even really blame Gabriel to be honest I mean the cross comes in low he's got to do something he's got to stick a leg out he's got to try and prevent that cross reaching its destination but overall his game was was shocking he was so far off the pace it was unreal and I know he's been out with COVID and I know he only trained last week and all of that jazz um you know and he sort of not had as much training over the last month as he would have liked, but he was completely off the pace. It was really, really bad. And there were others who were really, really bad as well. Mohamed Elneny, um just showing exactly what he is. And that is someone who from time to time can raise his game, can raise his level, can physically give you quite a bit. But actually, when it comes down to it, in terms of his technical ability, he's just not there. In terms of his footballing brain, he's just not there. I mean, to dilly-dally on the ball in the position he did that ultimately led to that goal, I put much more blame on him than I do to, on Gabriel. And you could see it as well. You know, the minute he gave that ball away, Hector Bellerin was going, you know, he was barking at him. What are you do? you got to get, you can't do that. Mohamed, you can't do that. And he gave the ball away. And from then on, we were in trouble. We were in shit street. And that's what happens. Good quality sides will punish you. Did we have enough chances to get ourselves back into the game? Did we have enough chances to win the game? Yeah, of course we did. You know, look back at that first half. There was a really good break down the right-hand side. Nice cut back to the edge of the box. And there was Cedric. He had time to take it under control. And he fired it over the bar from just inside the penalty area. Not good enough. you got to finish that. And then there was another really good opportunity in the first half. Okay, it was a lot more difficult in terms of the technique that was required. But Nicolas Pepe with a quick free kick, just thinking it over the wall with Gabriel Martinelli making that really smart run. He let the ball come over his left shoulder. Maybe he had time to take it down and then and then get a shot away. The point is that, you know, we we had opportunities. You know, we had opportunities in the second half as well. Not as many as I'd have liked. But Mikel Arteta keeps banging on about the fact that we have to be clinical. And, and sometimes that kind of rhetoric, it irritates me because the reason you're not uh, you're not clinical is because there's a lack of quality in those in those attacking areas. You know, let's come on to talk about Willian. Again, you know, I actually thought that in the first 10, 15 minutes, Willian looked like probably Arsenal's best player. Got on the ball quite a lot drifted away from people, created spaces, took the ball forward, played a couple of good balls in behind that led to those chances I've just mentioned, but then he completely disappeared again. Nicolas Pepe wasn't as bad as everybody says, did create opportunities for others yesterday, but you still want to see more from him. You know, and then we made the substitutions. Thomas Partey made an instant impact in the midfield already. Uh, Sorry, straight away, Alexander Lacazette came on. It wasn't really... Um his his best display, but I appreciate it. it's not easy coming on in a situation like that. Um and then he brings on Bukayo Saka and and ends up putting him at left back in the end. And it was just like the whole point of, of Bukayo Saka's kind of real influence growing, I would say, over the last over the last four or five weeks is because we've scrapped that bullshit of playing him at the back. And we've put him in the final third, which is where he can do damage, which is where he can make things happen. And so, to put him at left back for me just just made no sense. You know, it, it really, really didn't. And tell in the comments mentions Eddie as well. Just not good enough. Eddie and Ketia is just not good enough. You know, but Mikel Arteta has made it very, very clear in recent weeks that, in terms of the hierarchy of Arsenal strikers right now. He puts him above following Balogun. He's made that abundantly clear. He said it in as many words the other night. So, you know, this this team, this Arsenal team doesn't have depth. People talk about the sheer volume of players we have and the number of players we have. Yeah, we've got numbers, we've got volume. For God's sake, we had to leave players out of the registered squad because we had too many. But the reality is those players are just Not good enough. Mikel Arteta will have learned a lot over the last couple of months about who he can and who he can't trust. Unfortunately, they let him down. You know, the circumstances are not ideal in terms of the number of games we're coming up. You know, we put a poll out earlier on, actually, which I want to check in on the results because I haven't actually looked at it um, since we put it out about whether Arsenal fans feel like he made a mistake in rotating. You know, and, and it's good to see, actually, that there's a lot of sensible Arsenal fans out there who understand the situation we're in. And uh, and and look, you can see it. It's reflected in the poll. Ahead of tonight's live podcast, was Mikel Arteta wrong to rotate the side in the FA Cup? Oh, there's a typo from me in there. 38.5% of you say yes, he was wrong. 61.5% say no, he was right to do it. Now, obviously, there's a caveat to that because rotation can mean rotating three or four players. Mikel Arteta changed seven. That's a big deal. And it obviously makes a big difference. And I and I actually accept that argument. Actually, probably he should have been a little less extreme in his rotation of the side, i.e. he should have, um, you know, he should have actually changed maybe three or four. And maybe he went a little bit OTT on that. But again, as I said, the players that he left at home, Emil Smith-Rowe and Kieran Tierney, I don't blame him for that. I don't blame him for that one bit whatsoever. And, And that's kind of where I stand on it. Let's talk a little bit bit quickly about the latest on uh, Martin Odegaard. Uh, He is on his way to London this evening. We were told earlier that he'll be travelling to London today um, ahead of a medical that is planned for tomorrow. So uh, we're expecting probably, if not late on tomorrow, then on Tuesday, I think we'll probably get an announcement about Martin Odegaard. Um, So fingers crossed that gets done. That gets over the line without any hiccups. Uh, Talking about the possibility of that becoming a permanent deal. Well, initially we were told that, that well, it's not initially, we were told that there is no option to buy a clause and that remains the case. There is no option to buy a clause in that loan. It is a straightforward loan deal that will, in theory, see Martin Odegaard return to Real Madrid at the end of the campaign. However, Real Madrid are not completely closing the door on a permanent deal happening if, if you know, the club, if Arsenal and Real Madrid and and everybody's circumstances come the end of the season are in a place where they'd actually like that to happen. Now, Real Madrid financially are in shit street. And you never thought you'd ever hear that, did you, about a club like Real Madrid with the prestige of Real Madrid, but they haven't signed a player in over one and a half years or something. So they're struggling. Um, So, yeah, um, you know, there is a possibility that maybe talks could open come the end of the season and maybe we'd persuade uh, Real Madrid to part ways with him but equally if Martin Odegaard comes and does well here and and persuades us you know that that isn't necessarily you know obviously you want him to come here and play well and that would be what makes you want to sign him but the issue is that um, of course if he plays well Real Madrid will probably be a lot more uh, open to keeping him and uh, you know holding him holding him as, as one of their own and if not, then making that price probably out of the range that Arsenal could probably afford. So we're going to have to see how that goes. In other news, Mesut Özil confirmed uh, his move uh, to Fenerbahçe. The club confirmed it as well. He put out a letter actually uh, to the Arsenal fans. I'm not going to read through it. I'm sure you've all seen it on social media. I thought it was quite classy considering everything that's gone on. He didn't put any kind of slide digs in there. There was no parting shot at Arsenal Football Club from Mesut Özil. It was quite. Um, it was quite polite. It was quite, um, you know, respectful, if you like. So, yeah, uh, that's done as well. There's some talk about Lucas Torreira as well this evening, that he could be leaving Atletico Madrid and uh, heading to Monaco. Uh, but, of course, it's also been reported that there's some interest from a number of Italian clubs. Of course, Torreira not really playing um at Atletico Madrid at the moment. So that loan deal hasn't necessarily gone as he would have hoped. But yeah, um, you know, let's uh, le- let us see how that develops. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a lot more detail on tomorrow's podcast. Um, that's Monday's podcast uh, when we've probably got a little bit more information, a little bit more context around that whole thing. Let's go over to the live chat box. Let's see what you guys are saying as well. Chuck your questions in there. Um, I'd love to get some of your questions and and go through a load of those uh, between now and the end of the program. Don't forget, if you want to become a member of the channel, if you want to support me in bringing you more Arsenal-related content and more general football-related content on the channel as well, then please do click the link in the description for more information on our membership scheme. We've got three tiers of membership available. Check those out You can sign up and become part of the Chronicles of Aguna family. Not that you're not if you're not a member, but you know what I mean. You can join our Discord server uh, as well as receive a number of other benefits. Um, And in the Discord server, we're talking Arsenal uh, pretty much all day and all evening. So it's great fun and I have really enjoyed it so far. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, Right, let's see what you guys are saying in the live uh, chat. Uh, Lewis Cooper What's your predictions for Tuesday? Well, look, having just defended um, Mikel Arteta for rotating, you know, he's got to get three points, hasn't he, to justify that. He's got to get a positive result at Southampton to justify uh, doing that. You know, even if we don't get three points, the performance has has to be good, has to be strong. You have to come away from there thinking, yeah, we should have won that game for it to kind of justify what he did at the weekend. In terms of predictions, look, I'm going to stick my neck on the line and go for a narrow Arsenal win here. I actually, for those of you who read my piece on 90 Min and the build-up to this FA Cup game, you know, I actually did predict a a Southampton win. I predicted a 1-0 Southampton win and lots of people were getting onto me saying, oh, you're being negative. What are you doing? Actually, I was just being realistic. And if you want me to give you a prediction of what I think the game is going to be, Um, then I'll give you an honest prediction. But if you want me to just predict what I want to happen, then a lot of the time they're not going to be right. Um, So yeah, prediction for Tuesday. I'm going to go for a narrow Arsenal win. I'm going to go for a 2-1 to the Arsenal on on Tuesday, I think. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, Mr. A says, Harry, why are we so bad when trailing two wins when conceding first under Mikel Arteta, if I'm not mistaken? That's quite shocking. I think, The reason we have a a real problem when we go behind on the Mikel Arteta is because of, you know, there is a lack of creativity a lot of the time, isn't it? You know, we've seen that and I'm not talking about Saturday necessarily, but in terms of the last five or six weeks, we've seen that improve a little bit. Um, But even still, there have been periods in games where we've struggled to create with any regularity. And I just think with Arsenal... It's got to a point where the first goal is so, so important. You know, you get that first goal, you draw your opponent out and then the spaces get left behind and then the the game becomes stretched and open um, and Arsenal can go out there and and exploit those spaces. The difficulty Arsenal are having is, is dealing with low blocks, dealing with teams who sit two banks of four, if you like, behind the ball, sometimes even a five and a four behind the ball and try and make life difficult as I say, it's a lack of creativity. And so when we get the first goal and it does open spaces and it does stretch the game, obviously that suits us a lot more. It's a problem though. And it's something we've got to fix. But until we get that little bit, um, until we get a little bit more, um, you know, creativity in and around the group, I don't see that changing. Um, and that's why, at this stage, it's so important that we don't concede stupid fucking goals, uh, like the one we did on Saturday. I.e., Mohamed El uh, thinking he's he's Cristiano Ronaldo and dilly dallying on the ball around his own penalty area for too long. So that's the problem. Um, that's the problem for me. The lack of creativity means that we need games to be stretched. We need the game state to be right for us to be able to hurt people. And unfortunately, that's not always going to be the case. Uh, David Dahl says, "How do you get on the Discord?" Um, If you sign up to a member, if you click on the link in the description to our membership page and you sign up and then click once you've signed up, if you click on the community tab, you'll see a members only post with a link to the discord server there. Um, What else have we got here? Uh, Selgear says, who would you play as right back? To be honest with you, um, I've always been one of the people that actually, I'm not going to say that I think Hector Bellerin's a top right back, but I don't always think that he deserves the stick he gets. What I will say, though, is I've been majorly impressed with Cedric over the last couple of games. I was impressed with him in the game against Newcastle in the Premier League. I thought he was one of Arsenal's standout players. Um, you know, obviously, Emile Smith-Rowe, Bakayo Saka, Bamiyan getting back on the score sheet. Those guys kind of stole the headlines. But I thought that Cedric was brilliant that night. I thought Cedric was quite good on Saturday as well when you consider that he played... On the left, which isn't his natural side, it's always a lot more difficult to play that position. Felt he could have done better with that opportunity that fell his way um, in the first half. And maybe if he did, the game would have been very different. But the fact that he did that, then he went on the right in the second half. You know, I think he's earned a place in the side now. I think he's been really good. But I do expect the pair to rotate. I think that he's proven now that he keeps us at the same, if not a better level than Hector Bellerin. And so there's no reason now for Mikel not to chop and change those two uh and see how it goes but you know my opinion on Cedric is is that he can do the job but obviously the boss uh has a lot of respect for Hector Bellerin sees him as one of the team's leaders so I can't say with any confidence that he's just going to drop Hector Bellerin out the side and replace him with Cedric I think both of them will get games um and, and uh, yeah, that's how it's going to be uh, for a little bit. But if you're asking me now on current form, I, I'd go Cedric. Uh, Feridun Atai says, is Ainsley Maitland-Niles worse than Willian? I think he's a worse footballer than Willian um, based on Willian's career to date. I don't think Ainsley Maitland-Niles will go on to have a career quite like the one Willian has had. But in on current form, how can he be? Um, You know, Ainsley maitland didn't cover himself in glory when he played against Crystal Palace, albeit at left back. But Willian is just not doing it at the moment. You know, he's, he's just really not doing it. He's, um, as I said, he showed like signs of being a little bit lively in that in that in the early stages of the game on Saturday, but after that he just disappeared. He looks like someone whose confidence is completely shot, and as a an really experienced player, you know that shouldn't you know, that shouldn't happen. You know, you should have that belief. You should have dealt with periods like that in your career before and understand how to get through them and work through them. And it's not really happening with William at the moment. You know, a lot of people were upset about his inclusion in the side. And, and, you know, I have to say, having watched the game, it's it's difficult to argue with that, isn't it? Uh, Gunatel says the discord server is therapy. Absolutely is. Um, guys, just a quick reminder, by the way, um, if you haven't already, Make sure you smash the like button on the video. Uh, The more likes, uh, the more it helps us get the video up the rankings. I can see uh, there are a load of you watching us right now. In fact, on YouTube alone, there's about 135 of you. We've got uh, loads of you on Twitter. Uh, We've got some of you watching us on Facebook as well. We've only got 55 likes on the YouTube video and there's way more um, of you watching. So make sure you hit that like button. Let's get it at least up up to 100. That'd be great uh out and out Gunners podcast says are you happy with the Oda uh with Oda Hope signing are you happy with Oda Hope signing you mean am I happy with the Oda Guard signing I'm just going to assume that's what you mean um yeah I I think it's a decent stopgap signing uh if I'm honest I think it's one that doesn't really put Emil Smith Rose nose out of joint too much as well which is important because we've all seen that what he can bring to the table of late. Yeah, look, it's a decent signing. It's not, you know, it's not like when we signed Ozil back in the day and we were all jumping up and down or when we signed our Charvin or anything like that. But yeah, it feels like a shrewd and smart piece of business on, on the club's part. Uh, Avic asks if there's any news on Aubameyang. No, uh, not at the moment. There isn't any news on Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. We were told it was a personal issue that could mean anything though, couldn't it? um, you know, it could be to do with his family. It could be so many things. As I said right at the top of the programme, I don't really want to speculate on what it might be because it could be something serious and that would just feel disrespectful. Um, but Mikel Arteta has made it clear that we don't, don't really know yet when Aubameyang will be back. And it's Sod's law, isn't it? That he finally gets back into sort of goal-scoring form and then something comes up. But ultimately, as I said at the beginning of the programme, if if it is a family issue, then then family comes first. And it's not ideal given the run of games we're going into, but you just got to deal with it. Um, it is what it is. Some things are more important. Uh, and, and, and it's as simple as that really, but thank you for your question. Uh, Matt says, what do you think about sending Pepe out on loan in the summer? Give him a chance to get a run of games, build his confidence, then make the decision on if we keep him. Yeah, I'm not against that. Um, feels to me like he's someone, as I said, whose who's confidence is is in the, the gutter at the moment he needs to play football that's the only way he's going to build that back up he needs to feel loved needs to have an arm around him do I think that Mikel Arteta's management of him has been very good um I'd probably argue no look I'm criticizing Mikel um <laughs> I, I do think that his, his man management is lacking a little bit and I think that Nicolas Pepe is probably uh, a bit of a victim of that but having said that you know You've got to take the opportunities when you come when they come your way at this level, and he hasn't always done that. So you can understand uh, why Mikel right now doesn't want to start him every week. It's it's a strange one, Matt, because I feel like half of the problem—not all of it, but half of the problem with Nicolas Pepe—is that he's not playing regular football, and he's he's it's it's all very disrupted. You know, he comes on as a sub in games and then he doesn't play and then he plays the next week in a so-called lesser game and then he's back in the side, back in the squad and then he's on the bench again. I feel like all of that doesn't help Nicolas Pepe and I feel like him not getting a a solid run of nine, ten games back to back is a problem. But I also can see Mikel Arteta's point in that if he's not delivering, if he's not playing well, what the hell do you do? You know, you have to prioritize the team, not Nicolas Pepe. So it's a difficult one for the manager at the moment to deal with. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, let's um, pick up a couple more. Uh, <laughs> let me, I'm just laughing at a couple of them that caught my eye. Uh, Abs Atara says, Harry, you're a breath of fresh air. You provide cool analysis when everyone is shouting out from the rooftop. Thank you so much, mate. Uh, really appreciate your kind words. Um Jashar asks, do you rate our squad higher than United City, Leicester, Liverpool, Spuds, Everton and Chelsea? I don't rate it more than United's, City's, Liverpool's, Chelsea's in terms of personnel. I think Tottenham, just because the fact they've got a couple of world-class players in in Son and Kane and we've only got one in, in Aubameyang when he's on full form, I think you could probably argue that Spurs is is stronger as well. Everton I don't think so necessarily. Um Leicester again it's a difficult one. The only ones I'm going to say definitively are I'm going to say United City Liverpool Spurs just about and Chelsea Leicester and Everton I'm on the fence about. Leicester have have just been smart in their recruitment but I do think they've got weaknesses in that squad as well and you know they're not as I don't know, man. I I watched them today against Brentford. I watched most of that game and they did make some changes. And of course they're without Jamie Vardy now as well. So they've lost uh, one of their talisman. I think Arsenal's squad in terms of quality is probably on par with theirs. I just think that they all understand the system. They know exactly what they're doing. They've got a much more experienced coach in Brendan Rodgers. Um, and I think all of those factors, plus the fact that there is no expectation at Leicester, not in term, not in comparison to Arsenal anyway. You know, if Leicester, look, look, cast your mind back to Leicester's season last season, right? They were flying at the top of the Premier League, third. They were in second for a long period of time, and people were talking about them maybe repeating what they did in the fifteen sixteen season and going for the title, and they spectacularly blew it. At the back end of the season, they allow Chelsea and Manchester United to come from miles behind them and take those remaining two Champions League spots behind Liverpool and City. And they fell out the top four, but nothing was made of that because the expectation isn't there. So Leicester have the advantage as well of being in and amongst the big six without being one of the big six, if that makes sense. Um. And I think that helps them. I think that helps Brendan Rodgers because we've seen him under pressure previously. You know, he could have taken Liverpool to win the title and under pressure he buckled. We saw him almost take Leicester into the Champions League last year and he buckled there as well. So Brendan Rodgers not having that expectation on him at that club, I think, helps them a lot. Um, And so I actually think that they're probably not as strong in terms of a squad, in terms of the individuals they have uh, as... Those other teams that you've mentioned, barring maybe Everton. <laughs> uh, Junior Gunner says, "Harry, I find you swearing oddly satisfying. You know why? Because I don't do it all the time. <laughs> it has to be uh, from the heart, from the, from you know, from my stomach. It has to really, uh, really come out with some meaning." <laughs> uh, Mark talking uh, about the game coming up against Southampton on Tuesday. He says Southampton won't sit back and defend on Tuesday, so it's up to us to be effective and create chances um let's see what else you guys are saying let's pick up this comment actually from zander he says bill dixon george graham william gallas lasana diara yossi benayun pedacek eddie and david Lewis, and william apart from mr graham we need to stop shopping at our <laughs> local poundland <laughs> uh let's see uh what else we've got here Uh, Zander also says, if you're enjoying the content, we'll smash those likes. Yes, please do that. Let's check back in on the likes. Have we improved on the likes? Are we any closer to the 100 mark? No, we're on seven. Well, we are closer, but we're on 70 still. And there's plenty of you watching guys. So make sure you hit that like button. It doesn't cost a thing. What does cost a thing, if you're interested in it, is our membership uh, pack where you can uh, get access to a number of benefits, including our Discord server. Check out the link in the description. Click on it. It'll take you then. You can see the free tiers and we really appreciate uh, your support. Uh, Let's see what else we've got. Um, Mark also raises the point that I spoke about a little bit earlier on about Mikel Arteta having two keepers on the bench. Mark, I, I don't believe that Mikel planned to have two goalkeepers on the bench. You always take a spare goalkeeper with you in case one of them uh, pulls up, you know, in the warm up or or anything like that. I, I don't think he intended to do that. It's simply because Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who travelled down, who was part of the group and was scheduled to take part in that game, had to leave uh, for personal reasons and so the second goalkeeper was thrown into the squad. So I wouldn't make too much of that. It's not an issue for me. Um, You know, I I, I don't, I don't think, um, I I don't think that was Mikel's intention. Uh, Archangel says, the difference between Willian and a bucket of shit, the bucket. (laughs) Oh man. Um, Here's a good question. Against low blocks, this one's from Xander again, uh, against low blocks, do you think we could get away with a midfield three of Partey, Emile Smith-Rowe and Odegaard and allow Partey to be a one-man wrecking ball? I think you could switch to that later on in the game if you felt like, you, well, if you were chasing a game, if you if you were chasing a goal and really needed it. I actually think that Partey and Xhaka as a pairing works quite well, and I actually think that Partey enjoys and can impact the game a lot more going forward than probably people give him credit for. So I'd actually like to see the Xhaka, Partey, Smithrow or Odegaard trio and see Partey get forward and get involved uh, in those uh, sort of more advanced areas in the pitch. I, I, I think that Partey is a lot better at that than people give him credit for. I think he plays some really decent forward passes, as we've seen when he when he uh, sort of came on the pitch against Southampton, he played some really good passes to be fair to him. But, you know, as, um, you know, some of those players, in particular people like Eddie Nketiah, Nicolas Pepe right now, you know, they couldn't finish their dinner, let alone an opportunity. So, um, yeah. Uh, Zvai says, Mikel ruined Pepe after a positive enter last season with the Willian signing and persistent and persisting with him, even though Willian is a stopgap, going back to the Pepe thing. Yeah, it's an interesting point. You know, how must Nicolas Pepe have felt having performed quite well, actually, at the back end of last season? And then all of a sudden, Willian's come in and Willian's taken his position. And despite still playing shit every single time he takes to the field in an Arsenal shirt, Mikel Arteta continues to persist with him. And you wonder if he had persisted with Nicolas Pepe as much as he's persisted with Willian, would he have got more benefit out of that? You know, it's a debate worth having. It's something worth thinking about. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Uh, let's see what else you guys are saying. Um, How much would I be willing to accept for Eddie and Ketia? Uh, this one comes from RW. Purely based on his age. I'd want about £10 million for Eddie and Ketia. I don't think you're going to get any more than that. You know, there were rumours about West Ham paying silly money for him. That ain't going to happen. I mean, what has Eddie Nketiah shown to suggest that he can score regularly in the Premier League? Absolutely nothing. Anyone who pays that is an absolute mug. But then again, West Ham paid all that money for Sebastian Haller, didn't they? And then we saw how that one worked out. Uh, Lee Casey asks, what was my lineup for Tuesday? I'll do this quickly off the top of my head, but we will go into it in a little bit more depth with some reasoning on the preview show. Um but in terms of my lineup for Tuesday, I would go Burn Leno in goal. I'd probably go with Cedric at right back. Mind you, Bellerin played the other day as well. I'd go Cedric at right back. I'd go Tierney at left back. I'd go uh, David Lewis and Rob Holding because Gabriel just looks so out of sorts. In the midfield, I'd go Jacques Aparte, and then I'd go Saka, Emile Smith-Rowe, um, Aubameyang if he's back, but if not Martinelli, and then uh, Lacazette up front. That's what I'd go with. But as I said, obviously, we're going to get some injury news. We're going to get some uh, information on the team ahead of that game. There'll be a press conference ahead of that one. Uh, we'll probably get some information tomorrow. So I will do that again uh, with the preview show, and, and we'll look at it in a bit more detail. But off the top of my head, that's what I'd go with. So. Leno, Cedric, Holding, David Luiz, Tierney, Xhaka, Partey, Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, just because I don't think Aubameyang is going to be back, and Lacazette up front. Let's see what else you've got here in the uh, live chat. Uh, Uh, Selgear says, so who was the second sub goalkeeper? That got thrown in, Runarsson or Ryan, who wasn't in there before Oba's emission. We will never know, my friend, uh, because nobody knows until the team is handed in uh, to the FA. Um, and obviously, then that gets given to the press and then, and then all the news gets out. So we would never know, to be honest with you. Um, I would imagine that probably it was going to be Runarsson just because Matt Ryan signed the day before. Um, I think that that they took him along to try and integrate him with the group. I don't know this for a fact I'm guessing, but if I had to guess, I, I think it's probably Renarson who's been training um, with the team. You know, obviously Matt Ryan wouldn't have even had that opportunity yet. Maybe an afternoon session on Friday. I don't know, uh, but I would have guessed it was probably Renarson of the two, but I cannot, um, I cannot confirm that 100%. Uh, Gunatel says, Harry, do you think it would have made sense to at least have had a millsmith throw on the bench yesterday? Yeah, but it's all hindsight, isn't it? Um, you know, you, you're trying to rest these players. You're trying to rest Tierney and, and Emile Smith-Rowe because they've got a problem um, in terms of their fitness. They've got issues with their fitness. And then, you know what, if you bring bring them on with 20 minutes to go and then, they, and then Arsenal score and then the game goes to extra time, then they've ended up playing like 50 minutes that you didn't want them to play. So, you know, I, I, again, it, it all comes down to the prioritisation of the competitions and whether people like it or not the club not the fans the club have the FA Cup in third and 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 they have to believe that they can challenge for the top four they have to believe that they can win the Europa League otherwise what's the point in playing so that's that's what the club have decided you know we don't know as well how Emile Smith-Rowe's been in training we don't know how Kieran Tierney's been in training you know we don't know if um, you know, obviously they've got so much sports science going on now. They, they measure them in so many ways on the training session and they judge their conditions and their conditioning based on a lot of that. We don't know what that told, told the the medical stuff. We don't know what they told Mikel Arteta about the, the risk of those players potentially picking up another injury. You know, all that happens behind the scenes and we don't know jack shit about it, but it is a big uh, part of the modern game. You know, sports science is huge. And, um, one of the things they'll look at is they'll look at the risk of that player picking up an injury. And if that risk was in the eyes of the the staff too high, then you can understand why they weren't involved at all. Um, but look, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And of course, you'd have loved to have had him there to call upon in the event that we went a goal down like we did yesterday. But it's just hindsight, isn't it? Um, but, it's you know, thank you for the question. Uh, Don Saki says, Hi, Harry, would you sell Pepe and Willian in the summer? Mate, who is going to want them on their current form? Who is going to come and pay you anywhere near what we paid for Nicolas Pepe? Who's even going to stump up half, based on what he's doing so doing right now? This is the problem. Arsenal have to persist with Nicolas Pepe for me, um, and it, you know it, it's not great, it's not ideal, um, but I think we have to persist with that one. As for Willian. I'd try and come to some agreement and just terminate his contracts. A bloody waste of time, waste of space in the squad. He's blocking other players like Nicolas Pepe getting regular runs of games. He's blocking even somebody like Reece Nelson, who, you know, I, I don't necessarily think is good enough, but, you know, he deserves more of a chance than Willian is getting at the moment. So, yeah, um, you know, that's that. Uh, going back to the uh, Eddie and Ketia point, Dominic says, if Rian Brewster was 30 million, why can't we get money for Eddie? Uh, because Sheffield United are not in the market for a striker, Dominic. It's as simple as that. That was one of the most stupid moves in the transfer market I've probably seen in the last 10 years. Honestly, it was that bad. You know, Brewster had gone and scored goals. He was scoring goals in the championship, wasn't he, in the second half of last season. Eddie Ketty has got no no form. You know, Brewster had that form going into the summer, and Ketty has got none of that. And Harry Land, and and I agree completely, says Eddie's stock is going down. Um, Let's pick up a few more. Uh, Let's pick up a few more uh, comments, a few more questions. Um, Shen Main says, when is Odegaard going to be announced? Again, this is not any inside information, but I think it's probably going to be, if not late on in the day tomorrow, then it's going to be on Tuesday, I would imagine. Uh, As we know, as I mentioned earlier on, Um, today, Sunday, um, it was reported that he was on his way to London uh, with a medical scheduled for Monday. So we expect that to take place. And then, you know, assuming there's no issues, which I doubt there will be, um, there will be an announcement made as, as quickly as possible after that, as I say, you know, Tuesday probably feels like the more likely, um, maybe we'll get it tomorrow sort of later on in the day, which would be good. But then also you've got to consider that Tuesday's a match day as well. So if it doesn't get done by the end of tomorrow, we might have to wait till Wednesday uh, for that. But I expect in the first half of this week uh, that we will get an announcement on uh, on the arrival of Martin Odegaard. Um, uh, the Malaysia says, uh, I can see that Arteta has a system now, but William Pepe and Ketia Niles and Reese and Willock clearly don't fit the profile he needs, but we have no choice because our depth is poor. I agree with that. Um, we're starting to see a system being put into place, aren't we? Uh, Comrade Campbell says, uh, hi, Harry, I genuinely thought William was brought in to be a mentor to the likes of Martinelli, Saka and Nelson in the same way as Louis, but now it looks a total waste. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you and I I was that's one of the reasons I was actually for the move at the time because I thought when you looked at that front line when you looked beyond Aubameyang Lacazette Pepe still a bit raw Martinelli still very young Bukayo Saka still very young Rhys Nelson still learning you know you looked at that front line beyond those two I've just mentioned and you thought what stands out what jumps out here and it was inexperience. and so to bring somebody in like Willian who you know is at a certain level in terms of his quality felt like a, a actually quite a smart move and a move that would aid the rest of those guys and aid their development. But unfortunately, it hasn't worked out like that. Um, Archangel says, are we scared that Man United will win the league? Not yet. Uh, not yet. I'm not quite there yet. And I say that because, you know, a lot of it comes down to to the manager as well and and making sure that that mentality doesn't drop off. And you just, you you look at Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and Pep Guardiola, who, you know, I would say City are the favourites at the moment, but you look at the difference between Pep Guardiola and Oli Gunnar Solskjaer in terms of what they've achieved as managers, and they're fucking miles apart, aren't they? Um, So at this point, I'm not scared that Man United will win the league, but, um, you know, they're they're certainly in with a shout. And if they continue this form of then keep... Bruno Fernandes playing at the level he's playing now, then yeah, you know they're they're up there and 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 with good reason. Uh, Freddie Owusu says, Harry, do you think we would still bring in a left back? Um, one of the words that, and I've I've said this already a couple of days ago, but in terms of using this phrase that I'm about to use, but one of the key things that Fabrizio Romano said on the podcast the other day was it's all about opportunity. If an opportunity comes along. Arsenal will try and take it. Arsenal will take advantage of it. But unless an opportunity presents itself, I can't see Arsenal bringing in another player. That's my personal opinion. Um, I think if we get Odegaard over the line, and of course, uh, we've already brought in Matty Ryan as a backup goalkeeper, it feels like that's probably about it from Arsenal's perspective for now. Uh, But having said that, as I said, if an opportunity comes along, then I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal took it. A lot of reports linking us with Ryan Bertrand. Of course, He's still got until the end of the season on his um, uh, to run on his Southampton contract, and then he's a free agent. So will Arsenal just feel like they probably can try a coast through? Not coast through, that's the wrong word. We're not exactly coasting through anything, are we? But Arsenal will just take their chances, get to the end of the campaign, um, see how it goes, and then sign up Bertrand on a free transfer in the summer if he's someone that they feel, um, you know, could do, could do good things for them, could be a good backup to Kieran Tierney or do they try and come to some sort of agreement with Southampton that will see the player leave uh, the club a little bit earlier? We're going to have to wait and see. Um, You know, I'm sure Arsenal will be looking at other left backs as well. It was reported at the back end of last week that they're looking at five or six uh, different left backs. Will we be able to get one over the line this week? I don't know because of course the transfer window uh, closes very soon. You know, we're talking about up until the end of the week. So, yeah, um, it's going to be difficult. I think that, as I said, Freddie, I think they're they're on standby. If an opportunity comes along, they will try and take it. But I'm not 100% confident that we will get one. I think this is, I'd be pleasantly surprised if we did, but I feel like this is the end of our business. And also another point, actually, just popped into my head. I'm also wary of us filling up the squad again with stopgap players. Because the whole point of moving the dead wood, if you like, out was that we didn't have this problem where we have players who we don't necessarily see as part of the longer term future hanging around, stinking the place out. And I know if you sign them on shorter contracts and for less wages, it doesn't have as much of a a draining impact um, on you as a football club. But I am conscious of this whole filling up the squad with stop gaps again and then we can't get rid of them and then we're back in the same position we were before we moved on all the others. Do you see what I mean? I think there's a balance that needs to be found between streamlining the squad and thinning it down to a level whereby we've got what we think is is needed but not really a great deal more than that, creating space for us to then develop it with the players that we do want. That's important Uh, and I'm just a little bit concerned that you know, you go get Matty Ryan, you know, you you go and get Ryan Bertrand, are they two players that Mikel Arteta would have looked at and said he wanted, or are they just two players who an opportunity came along to snap them up to plug holes uh, for a couple of seasons? And that's what we did. So there's a balance, I think, to be struck there for sure. Right, uh, that brings us to the end of this uh, live edition of the podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Um, I know it's a Sunday night. I know people spend Sundays with their families and, uh, and stuff and and i really and obviously have to get up early for for monday morning work so i uh, really appreciate you guys uh, joining us uh, thank you to all our members as well keeping the chat alive as always and to everybody else who contributed in the chat box uh, make sure if you haven't already uh, that you smash that like button it is so so important as i keep saying let's have a quick look and see uh, where we're at we're only on 89 come on guys hit the like button on your way out. Let's get it up to 100 uh, before we jump off of the show. Uh, Don't forget, if you want to become a Chronicles of Aguna member, uh, click the link in the description and you can check out our three tiers of membership and we'd love to have you on board. I can see the light count creeping up. We're on 93 now. Come on, seven more of you. Let's get it up to 100 uh, by the time the outro plays. That'll be great. We'll be back tomorrow, uh, Monday that is, uh, with a couple more shows. Uh, If you're listening on the audio, there'll be more shows coming out today. Uh, So lucky you, you don't even have to wait as long. But we'll be back very, very soon. Um, I'm sure there'll be more transfer news, if not uh, more players coming in, but some confirmations over the course of the next week. Members, uh, keep an eye on the Discord server. going to be asking you for those Q&A questions and uh, giving you some information tomorrow on what the members-only bit of content is going to be this week. And uh, that's it. Ciao. Take care. Good night. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.